Hello, folks, and welcome back once again to the best podcast in all of junior hockey. And why is it the best podcast in junior hockey, you ask? Well, because it's done by the two best hosts in all of junior hockey. And I speak, of course, about myself and another man, a man who sits digitally, usually to my left, a man who sits geographically an hour and a half south of me, and a man who sits front and center in my junior hockey heart. It's Dan Kay. Dan, welcome to the show. Good directions there. I'm terrible with directions, so luckily you're usually on the GPS while I'm driving us places. <laughs> Lucas, I am pumped up for today's show because we were thinking about putting this in a video podcast, but there was just so much to go through, so many teams we wanted to discuss. We didn't want to miss anybody. So we decided to bring this over to the audio side of things, and it's USPHL Midwest Showcase Recap Time. We're going to be talking all things Midwest-West, a huge weekend for the nine teams out there in the division, some big moves, some overtime thrillers, a lot to talk through. But first, before we do that, we got to do what we do each and every week, which is pay those bills with the things that we love most, Lucas. You, you like to unwind with a good brew. You're, you're a former... Yeah, I mean, you're basically the you are the brewmaster of the Dan K show. I enjoy a, a ninth or tenth cup of coffee each day that really keep me going. Let's get into it. What should the hockey parents at home be drinking on their next hockey trip? They should be heading over to the import section of their local liquor store establishment. And the best part about this beer is that even though it is an import, I have seen it at almost every liquor store I've been to in every part of the country. It's right there with your your almost your your regular imports that you see from these big beer distributors and this time it's a Schwartz beer from Kostritzer. Kostritzer uh you'll you'll be able to see immediately because it's got all black packaging comes in a four pack of cans um you'll sometimes see it in a little bit of a mini keg but the Schwartz beer is essentially a black lager very very smooth 4.8 percent alcohol um it's definitely meant to be a session beer it's meant to have the flavors of Guinness or of a porter, but without being heavy, without being very syrupy. It's essentially trying to give you that Budweiser feel, but with a flavor you more accept or expect from a porter. Take a quick sip here. And it's so light. It's, it's such a light beer. It's very clean finishing. This is one of my go-tos. If you've ever been to a German style fest hall, um, this is a staple there, and you can you can buy this this Kostras or Schwartz beer. It's one of the few dark beers they have you around on that menu. I highly recommend it uh, if you're at a fest hall, and I think it's great to unwind with because it comes in a four pack. It's a it's nice and light, not a high alcohol percentage. Just a great way to kind of relax and and decompress from a long day at the rink. Man, that sounds good. That sounds good. Can I get a score from you? Yeah, so it, it is good. It, it's light-bodied, crisp finish, nice and roasty, low alcohol, very manageable, very approachable. I give this one an 8-1. It is one of my favorite beers to drink consistently, and every time I see it, I always find myself with a can or two. I love it, man. It sounds great. I'll have to try it out sometime soon here. I go to the other side of things here. I go to the coffee world, ladies and gents, and I'm going to review for you, you know, uh, if there's one thing you know about me, and Lucas knows about me, I've always been an Archer Farms guy with Target, right? And I've always been into pairing up a coffee with some trail mix from them. And now Target's got this good and gather going on. We won't get into Lucas's qualms with the ampersand, 
but we will get into uh, my delicious trip through the world of the caramel macchiato. And I mean, the caramel macchiato, Lucas, I mean, it goes along with one of my favorite films of all time, Talladega Nights, The Battle, Ballad of Ricky Bobby, with Sasha Baron Cohen doing a terrible French accent and saying that uh, Ricky Bobby made, you made me spill my macchiato. You know, you don't want to make me spill my macchiato, but I almost spilled this thing when I tasted how good it was, all right? This thing, I would wear a necklace around my neck and just smell what the coffee smells like because having that caramel smell go throughout, I don't think you'd love it, Lucas, because you're not a sweet guy. You know, you don't have that sweet tooth. But for me, this was a big-time winner, and I just got an espresso machine in the mail that we're going to start plugging on this Dan K show, Ooh. Lucas, big news there. And this thing's going to get moved into the espresso machine rotation coming up soon because it is one of a kind, buttery, silky, smooth. I would have liked a little bit more caramel forward from it. It's a little bit more buttery than it was caramelly, but I give it a solid 7.9. This is a good time. I love it. Everyone knows my, uh, I don't have the sweet tooth. The sweetest I go usually is some, some coconut milk, but Dan, Companies with ampersands in their name aside, is this? Let's talk about this espresso machine for about thirty to sixty seconds. Is this yeah. a portable machine? What's the deal here? So this, it's small enough to be portable here, and it, it's Dan Kified. It's simplified for me, okay, and that's what it's all about. It's the Capresso. It's and, and you know I like the name, a Capresso. Come on, cappuccino, espresso. You make yourself a latte. I got my steamer in this, Lucas. I've been practicing with it, trying to not burn this place down, you know, because at first I kind of made it put the water tray in incorrectly, but it's really simplified, okay? You just get this thing heated up, you pop in your grounds to your liking, and you let it roll. I went out, I bought some new espresso cups, and the Capresso is going to be a big part of what I'm doing here coffee-wise because I'm breaking, you know, I, I'm trying to break records when it comes to my caffeine intake at times, not on purpose, but I'm just a caffeine, <laughs> I'm a caffeine fiend, man. And, and in this, uh, this espresso maker is going to take me to new levels of Java heaven. Oh man. I'm, I'm Googling it right now. I might have to steal an idea here from you, Dan. It's going to be a long winter and having espresso at my fingertips, dangerous, but exciting. Yeah. It's, it's a fun machine, man. It's a little guy sitting right on the table right now, center of the room down here at the beach house, Dan K's Beach Mansion. And it is big time, big time cappuccino city for me. I'm a latte guy. You know, a, a, a latte what? A latte coffee. That's what I like. And I like to throw some cashew milk in there, maybe some oat milk, get real fancy once in a while, pinky out, drink it, feeling like a cool cat. Ah, this is this is going to be good. You might you might see me just kind of down at your house and at seven a.m. just grabbing a cup of espresso before we uh, we hit these hockey games. You know what? I want to grab a cup of more hockey, and that's what we got to talk about right now. It's time to get right into it. Down the business, brass tacks, USPHL Midwest West Showcase Weekend has just come and gone. Games of plenty. Big-time matchups, upsets, overtime thrillers. And I think the first place to start here, Lucas, is going to be a team that we don't talk about enough. And it's going to be the Steel County Blades, okay? They come out of this weekend one and three, right? They get the three losses. But you look at the teams they had to play, the Mullets, the Havoc, the Moose, difficult squads that beat them. They get a big win over a Rumber or Mallard side, and that plays huge into the postseason feel towards the end of this season. Those wins are the ones that can change the outlook 
of the postseason. In the Midwest West, we have seen teams win from every seed, everywhere, and it is so important to get each and every win out of a weekend you can. How about this Blades side? Oh, I mean, the, the Blades are, are one of those teams that, you know, are giving giving teams fits. And these, these Blades skaters make sure that these games are close. They're fighting hard. They are playing well on the boards. They're competing, right? And so you look at this three, three and one record here with seven points on the board tied with the mullets. But what I'm seeing is a plus seven goal differential, right? So you, you generally expect in seven out of ninth place to not see a positive goal differential. But what I'm seeing is a good defense, a good offense. And that, what that usually means is they lose some, they lose some close games or they lose maybe one bad game. But for the majority of it, this team is right in the mix of things to the very end. Yeah, and you look at it, this is a team that really relies heavily on their center play. You know, Charlie Smith leading the team at points with seven. Noah Yurden right there with five. Luke Horvath, who's a rookie here, a year old one, who big things coming for him. He's a centerman. And Noah Yurden, Lucas, centerman there, he's, he's a June 28th birthday. Same birthday as Dan Kay. How big is that? Big move there. And then you also got Matthew Ebersol, who's got two goals, two assists. This is a center-centric team. They're going to win face-offs, and that's how they win games. They control the tempo. Horvath's a big-time rookie. Ebersol's a big-time rookie. You look around them, and it's who you pair them with. How about Evan Axel, man? Who, this guy, there's, nothing pro- there's no problem with these Axels, man. This guy is riding fast. Seven assists for his squad from the defenseman position. This year, 2 has been huge for his side. Uh, they're, really, they're getting balance in the scoring, and now it just all comes down to consistency. And that's something they've been looking for in Steele County here early in the season. And that Mallard's win could be a nice little turnaround jumper there for them to kind of push them in the right direction. Yeah. And you know, this is a, this is a really young team as well. You, you look at a lot of the O ones, a lot of O twos, uh, actually a lot of O twos here. And a lot of these guys coming in on their first season in the USPHL premiere. So, uh, you know, this is, you always see with these young teams, we saw it a, a little bit with the Islanders hockey club and the NCDC last year where they got a young team. They get off to a little bit of a slow start, but I keep getting hung up on that positive goal differential, Dan, and, and I keep seeing that combined with the youth on this team. And, and all I can really see is a little bit of an upward trajectory for the Steel County team. And, and I think the fact that I keep getting hung up on that is a sign that, you know, we come and revisit this division in a month or two, they might be climbing a little bit. Then we move up the standings here. And I'm going to go right up the standings, Lucas, so you can follow along with me and be ready for me. You know, I like to, as a host, tee up. You know what I mean? I'm going to tee up here. And we go up the standings, and you go to the Minnesota Mullets, all right? 3-3, three, 1-1, three, one one, 8 points. You talk about how much you like the positive goal differential for Steele County, negative goal differential here, a minus 10 goal differential for this Mullet side. Sitting in 6, but it's kind of a, a funky 6 position right now because – They've got three games still left to play on this mullet side. They can make up some action there. And you, you look at this one throughout the weekend at the showcase, two wins, two losses, the Moose and River Kings, right? You want to talk about having to play the best of the best. That's your two losses, not the worst losses. Ducks Blades for the wins. That's a Blades team. We just talked about how good they've been this year. The mullets get a victory against them. Let's talk mullets a little bit. The, the Dan Bradley team out here. Uh, what, what have you thought about the mullets so far? Well, I, I think I like what the mullets have been, have been kind of thrown out there. You know, they lost a lot of players as well from last year. They were an older team last year. 
coming into this season, coming in with a lot of younger skaters, and and I'm I'm seeing something similar. So you, you get the two a win against Steel County this weekend, and then you look back through October, a six three loss versus the ever difficult Hudson Havoc, but a four three loss to the Rochester Vipers in a shootout. So, you know, you're, you're looking at this and you can very easily play a game of, oh, you swing this game, you swing this goal. But I, I think the mullets are on a good track. This, this 500 start, I'm never worried about. You know, we, on the video uh, tomorrow, when the video podcast comes out on Thursday, you'll see us sort of grade an aviators team. And we give our opinions on, you know, are we worried or are we not? And I'll say in this in this specific aspect, I'm not really worried about the mullets. I'm not worried about this 500 start. I think that this is a team that is young, basically all the same characteristics as Steel County, Dan. I got to imagine they're going to come together. Here's what I'm going to say about the Minnesota mullets. What, what I tried to say, tried to say over and over again, Jack Bostet in net was the most underrated asset in the country in any sport. Yep anywhere i mean he faced more shots than anybody in the usphl last year still put up some of the best numbers of any netminder in the country he was lights out and you look at it this year and that trend of high shot on goal totals continues for this mullet side that's the worrisome portion for me 249 shots allowed uh, shots on net there against Alexander Falkenhagen in just seven games played for him between the pipes, two, three, one, and one. And that's a lot of shots for any net miner to face. It wears you down. It chisels away. And I get it. It's part of the style that coach plays out there with his side. And I love that open ice style. It's similar to what Mike Stanaway does with the aviators, right? Get out, pass the puck correctly, crisp movement, Let's get this thing over the blue line. Let's get out the other way and let's score the puck, right? Give our goaltender sight lines. But there's always that line that I draw at some point where even, even offensive-minded Dan Kay says, you know, boys, we got to get those badges, right? Those, those bruises, those block shots that show you that you're trying hard for the man in net for you. Defense is a six-man game. The best thing about the game of hockey, unless that netminder's left the net, you're skating with an extra man defensively in your own defensive zone, and the mullets need a little bit more of that to help out Falkenhagen as he gets things settled down in net. Yeah, and and I think that's part of it too is is to get settled down, right? It's it's trying to trying to find that rhythm, trying to figure it out. This this mullets team has been so used to to Boston, you know, and and you talk to the coach and and he said last year, well, Jack likes to have good lines of sight, right, and this goaltender maybe might be finding that he'd prefer to have some bodies in front of the net. And so you, you talk about, you know, your first game was played, uh, you know, you only got six games under your belt, seven games. Uh, and it's one of those situations where you start to feel out this new team, you start to gel a little bit more and we'll kind of see once November, December comes, you have a pretty good idea of the makeup of this team. Now we talk about a team, you know, we haven't talked Steel County Blades much this year. And now another team we haven't talked much about that we're going to get into the Rochester Vipers. Right now they sit in fifth place in the standings. Remember, there's those three games in hand for the Mullets. And the Vipers came into this weekend. They got two big wins, one against the Ducks, one against the Mallards. Their losses against the River Kings and the Havoc, who both continue to take care of business when they need to. And, you know, this Vipers team, 
that goal differential right now not looking good. And that's a defensive thing, right, Lucas? It's about stopping a puck, blocking a puck like we just talked about. But they have no problem scoring it. And it's Marcus Dempelwolf at the top of the list there. 11 goals, 7 assists, 3 on the power play, 2 power play assists. He has 3 shorthanded goals. And he's a year 03. If Marcus Dempelwolf has not been looked at, by scouts everywhere yet, then scouts everywhere need to start looking because this guy is good, good, great. Yeah, and, you know, a two-and-two two performance um, in this Minnesota uh, Minnesota Midwest Showcase, um, and I, I think the goal differential is misrepresentative of, of what they're able to do. So you look, at, you look at their first five games, the Rochester Vipers. They lose 9-4 to Rum River. 11-3 to Minnesota Blue Ox, 14-2 by the Havoc. The two back-to-back losses against the River Kings where the River Kings outscored them 21-6. Now, if you throw those five games out the window, you look at a 4-3 win versus Minnesota, 9-1 over the Ducks, 8-4 over the Ducks, 5-4 over the Mallards, a close game they were able to win, uh, and then a, a tough loss against the River Kings, 3-1. So I see a defense that's improving. I see a team that's trending up and, you know, call me a reckless optimist here with, with these last three teams that we've talked about. And, and that's fair to say, but, you know, I, I'm looking at this team and I'm seeing a defense that seems to be coming together. You're going to have a tough test coming up with Minnesota Blue Ox and the Mullets though in their next three games. And you look at, you look at the score sheet here, right? For the squad. And you look at the top 10 point getters and one, two, three, four of the top 10 are defensemen Six of the top 14 defensemen, and that's a team that's not afraid to get their defensemen involved in the scoring end. Ben Haas has been nothing but last man, a barrel full of them with how well he's been playing. Six goals, seven assists at the defenseman position. Judson McGrath, one and six on the year for seven points. One, that goal coming on the power play. DJ Girardi, yo DJ, that's my DJ right there. Two goals, four assists. And then Vincent Pallad with two and one. This is a team that scores it from the defensive side of the ice. They like to get the slappers from the uh, big-time clapper from the blue line there. They like to get pucks on the net. They put bodies in front. They're not afraid to get involved in it. And this Vipers team, the big thing now, that same output you're getting offensively from your defensemen, you got to get on the defensive end and help those netminders out. Help out Patrick Christo, Sean Baldick. You got to get bodies in front when you can and limit those shots on net and the netminders here, you know, it, no time like the present, right? You, you get off to that slow start. The biggest thing we always talk about with goaltenders, it's the only position in the game with a win or loss attached to your record, right? It's part of your stats. And it, sometimes it just takes one good start to get things rolling in the right direction. And that's what if you're Patrick Crystal, if you're Sean Baldick, you're looking to get here in these next few weeks. Yeah, and, you know, I think one of the one of the areas that they can definitely – sort of improve very quickly is with that goaltending. And it's, it's not always just the goalie, right? So some, they wear a lot of those stats. They wear the final tally of did it go in or did it not? But as hockey fans know, that final stat, that goal that's scored, that's a series of events, right? And if you can identify where that weakness is, and maybe it's, maybe it's turnovers in the middle of the ice. Maybe it's an inability to win those board battles. Maybe it's just as simple as getting that offense running, you know, getting that offense going and making sure that offense is a little more present, a little more of a threat. Getting that moving in the right direction, I feel like it's going to be important for Rochester. And you talk about the offense. 
11 games played, 43 goals scored, right? So you're looking at four goals a game. That is, uh, you used the word serviceable previously. I, I think it's extremely serviceable. Four goals a game, that's great offensive output. Something's not right on the defensive side of the ice. That's what they're going to have to address. Now we, we go up the list here and we look at a very familiar group with the Hudson Havoc. And, you know, in Lucas's books, they're undefeated because the OT loss and the shootout loss don't count. Right, Lucas? I mean, those games, you just immediately <laughs> throw them out. In your exactly. Mind. Get rid of them. So, <laughs> so they lost to the Blue Ox in a shootout during this whole thing. They beat the Mallards 3-2. They beat the Blades. They beat the Vipers. So they have eight games played, 14 points. And one thing the Havoc have always been when, when I think about them, they're, they're just that team that does exactly what they have to do to be in contention each and every year. And you look at them, and I equate them almost to like a, a Liverpool in the game of soccer, I, I know, or football. I know Kyle Watson would love that from the Hampton Roads Whalers or a New England Patriots side where even when they're not the most dominant team, you look at the record and it's just always there they're always winning games they're always at the top they're always finding ways and it's because they win the games they're supposed to win they sneak through the games they need to sneak through and when they lose they don't lose big so they're always in contention and it's what brett wall does so well in hudson yeah and it's it's really all about staying in contention right you keep the games close so you're able to win more games I think for Hudson, it starts with the goaltending. It's Kenny Torelli and Cam Maluski. These are two rookies. Uh, these are two younger guys. They're doing really well. And just flat out, they're doing a great, great job so far. The team is averaging 2.3 goals against. Maluski has a .919 saves percentage. They're both looking at a pretty decent amount of shots. And, and for some reason... Uh, Cam Maluski has seen a lot of shots and, and that's something I'm sure he appreciates on the one end of getting into a rhythm, but we'd like to see maybe a f- couple of bruises on his defenseman. Um, but I think for the Havoc, it's, it starts in net and it, it truly does work its way out. Yeah. And, and you look at, at the, what's on the ice out from that net. Right. And, and you gotta love it. I mean, the, the face, the familiar faces, Caleb Duzek, Drake Barnish, Brendan Walk, taking him for a walk. Evan Mitchell, man, he is so stellar. Mason Fortin. You look at these guys, and, and then you look at the new additions, like Alex Grove adding to things out here. And, and this is just an, a team right now, or Harvey Dove, man. I mean, release the Dove. You know, let Harvey go around. Four goals, six assists, ten points for him. One power play goal, four power play assists. This is a team that doesn't rebuild. They just restock, you know, and that's what, that's what Brett Wall does so well because he brings in the right mindset. He brings in the right players, and then he helps them develop individually in the right ways, and he's doing everything right on and off the ice. Yeah, and it's just a tough team year in, year out, you know, and, and they find ways to win, and Coach Wall is not afraid to – to make the hockey, uh, make the hockey game a, a game of chess instead. Um, he he knows all his tools. He knows what players can do well in what situations, and that just makes them an always dangerous team. And you know, I think it'll be interesting when, you know, when some of these Midwest teams come out to the East to play some uh, some East Coast teams in that Winter Showcase. It's always a lot of fun seeing what happens when the two divisions mix it up. Now we go to the Wisconsin Rapids River Kings, uh, the defending Cheese Curd Cup champions. 
They are led by Coach Marty Quarters, who knows how to put a winner on the ice. They had a thriller of an OT loss against the Minnesota Moose, who tended to beat everybody in OT this weekend. And they did get wins against the Blue Ox, a team that was is atop of them right now in terms of games played. They have one extra game played and one extra point in terms of – sorry, same amount of games played, one extra point than them overall. And you look at it, they this River Kings team, I mean, we had them as the top Midwest West team going into this week. So it's almost hard to blame them for losing a game, Lucas. You almost feel like it, it is our fault and we're the reason they had the trouble. So, I mean, where do you draw the line between us jinxing them and them really getting beat? <laughs> well, I, I think it's I think it's tough, you know, because that that line is extremely blurred. You look at the numbers, you know, right away, what jumps out at you is that plus 27 goal differential, 51 goals, four and 10 games. It's really good. 24 goals against the 10 games, equally impressive. But I, I think the one thing that maybe might worry some river Kings fans is, is the last couple of really tough games that they've played. You look at their record against the blue ox one and two this year, losing two very, very difficult games in the middle of October, three Oh, and then four, three, then losing by one goal in overtime to the Moose this past weekend. I think that might be an interesting sign. And, and you know what the River Kings will say? They'll take this and they'll say, this can't happen, right? And they'll, they'll recharge, they'll figure it out, and they'll come back and they'll dominate. But being able to beat these teams in the Midwest-West, when it comes down to crunch time, you have to split those series. Allowing yourself to get swept by the Blue Ox coming into a showcase and, you know, losing yes to a tough moose team. But at the same time, those are games that have to be won. And Marty quarters knows that river Kings fans know that. And, you know, I think the river Kings are going to continue to be in the conversation, continue to be in the top four, but we'll keep an eye on those games. Those games, you know, they start to become a factor as the amount of games left on the schedule becomes less and less. Yeah. The one thing I got to say about this roster for coach Marty quarters is there are not many better in the entire country, in the entire world. This is a deep squad that knows how to win with the right returning players mixed with the correct rookies. You look at a rookie like Trenton Skaggs, who's got two goals, 12 assists. You look at the newcomer grant newcomers got eight goals, 11 assists, the year one, Logan Harris is a large and in-charge monster that you're used to seeing score out there, five and five for him. Lute Harkey, 10 goals, 12, two assists. Jordan Steer's been steering him in the right direction for years out there, four goals, five assists. Nathan popping bottles out there. He's got his goal and assist on the year. This is a team, Max Moore, taking it to the max and giving you more, four goals, four assists. Reese McDonald, man, ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm loving it when I see this guy play. And this is... I still think on paper, the River Kings should be the number one side. But how many times has the Midwest West ever been decided on paper? How many times has hockey ever been decided on paper? You can't skate on this stuff. You rip it up. That's terrible. <laughs> That's uh, absolutely true. And I have a question for you, Dan, about the River Kings before we potentially move on to another team. Because I want to get your thoughts on this. Far away. Looking at the River Kings and some of the games they've lost – comes down to the penalty minutes 
they're up there in terms of the top penalty minutes taken in that division. We know the Midwest West sometimes sees a lot of penalties, but right now they've taken the most penalty minutes in that Midwest West division. Is that a problem? It depends. I mean, that's such a, it's always a loaded question, right? It's when it's undisciplined penalties, right? When it's the, the 200 feet away from your own net tripping call on the power play that evens you back up. Yeah. I mean, that's a problem, right? But when, if you're playing aggressive hockey, if you're, you're playing physical, if you're doing the right things, if you're putting a puck in the back of the net, it's not always a problem to be high in that PIM category, right? Like over the year, do you ever see a team that leads the way in, in that category really raise a cup? That's always up for debate, right? That that's something that is up for debate. It's tough. It's tough to raise a cup with that style because you spend so much time in the box. When when I got five and you got four, Lucas, I'm going to score more than you are. You know, in most cases, mathematically speaking, it's going to happen. And that's a situation where when I look at this River Kings team, it's all about the situation. And those boys in that locker room, anybody playing for an absolute awesome head coach like Marty Quarters and his assistant Devin Roder out there. If you're playing, if you're playing for these guys. You understand what needs to be done, and these guys, they don't have any problem looking in a mirror, taking accountability, and getting back out there to get a W. Yeah, I, I I agree. You know, it's it's always a distinction between the disciplined and the undisciplined penalty. I would like to see that number be lessened a little bit. I'm sure Coach Quarters would love to see that go down as well. You know, you just don't want to spend that much time in the box. Plain and simple. Um, but I think the River Kings are, are going to be uh, going to have a tough last weekend of October, but I think they're going to be tough for a lot of teams going forward. 100%. How about a team that was tough for everybody this past weekend, sitting in a tie for first in points, one point back, uh, one game played back. So they got a game in hand on the Blue Locks. And first, it's the Minnesota Moose, and it was antlers up at the Midwest West Showcase. They beat the River Kings. They beat the Blades. They beat the Ducks and the Mullets. They were in overtime against everybody. Oh, my Lanta. If you you got, a, you got a billion great hairs if you're a Moose fan out there in Minnesota. Four overtime wins. Lucas, they've won eight games. Four of those wins have come in overtime. Half of their wins are in overtime. This is a team that is winning games late. They're winning games often, and they have just one loss against their eight wins. Well, I mean, I guess maybe it's part of the master plan, right? You send enough games to overtime, you're going to start racking up points regardless of what happens. But this team just thrives in moments like that. They thrive in do-or-die moments. They thrive in situations where their backs are against the wall. And thriving in those situations early in the season, I think it's a great sign for the Moose. It shows that they're playoff ready here in October. They're, they're not looking back. They're only looking ahead towards March. And, you know, this is a team that's got the offense. They've got the defense. They're giving up just above two goals a game right now. You know, still with some penalty troubles like the River Kings have been, but they're on a five-game win streak right now. They're 8-1 and one in their last uh, – they're 8-1 and one right now in the season. So can you really argue with the numbers? Lucas, how do you win close games? By scoring pucks. I was going to say, I was going to get you on that one. I thought you were going to give a wrong. <laughs> Score more goals. Score yep. more goals than the other team, right? And you do that with a mix of good defense, good goaltending, and correct play with the puck, right? 
and you look at a huge ad for this moose side, a guy who we know has, has silky mitts, and this is a former Mallard, it's Vladimir Fadiv, who's got six goals, three assists for this moose side, and what an ad that was. This is similar to like Jin Lee going to the Jersey Hitman in the NCDC. This Fadiv ad at the centerman position is a huge game changer for the moose. Yeah, I, this, this guy's pure skill. That's really the only way you can describe them. And to have, you know, players like that who can who can play as part of a system, they can get out there and score on their own. You know, you you try to have a functioning Twitter account at the Dan K show and the moose just keep lighting it up with all their goals. I mean, that, yep. that's really what it is. And we're sorting through goal after goal after goal. They've got Ike Frankel, they've got James Curran. I, I love what Fadiv has done so far. He's a breakaway player. He thrives in that opportunity. You give him a, a turnover in the neutral zone and, and he'll absolutely make you pay. He was on our top goals video the first or second week. And, and that, that one-on-none goal that he had just made the goaltender look like he'd never played a day of hockey in his life. I'll tell you, man, I like Ike. Ike Frankel, you can't you – can't, I mean, you can go to the hockey factory and you could go to Shell 21 and build your player, right, create a player. And he's got everything you're looking for in a right winger. He scores the puck. He gets out there. He'll play physical. He'll play the, the smart game. He, I, I wax poetic on this guy now for two consecutive years, and I'll continue to do so. This guy is an absolute star out there for the Minnesota Moose. You put him in Cody Carlson, three goals, nine assists. James Curran, Hunter Bardo, Chase Solberg, who's got soul, man. He's a rookie out there with four goals, five assists. C.J. Hoyt, three goals, six assists. Tristan Avaletta, who's a name that's been out there, man. He is a solid, solid addition to this team each and every time he plays. And then one of the best names in hockey. We see so many great hockey names. How about Jet Swift? Okay, there this guy go. gets six points a year just for the cool name. Add it to it. He's got four points right now. I'm counting as 10. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, with a name like that, you, you absolutely have to be out there on the ice. Uh, you know, I mean, the bottom line is this Moose team's competitive every year. And the only thing that tends to trip them up is, is Blue Ox team, this Havoc team, this River Kings team. These teams are out there beating each other up. And it really comes down to who's going to be the one to blink first, right? With the Midwest West, you basically, you have to take my strategy for fantasy football is just get to the playoffs, just get there. And then all you got to do is win a couple of games. If you just make it in, right? So if this Minnesota boost team can get themselves in a decent position in the playoffs, that's where it matters. They can win those close games. We know they can, they can score the puck. We know they can stop the puck. The biggest thing is going to have to be when playoff time comes, if things stay as they are, they just have to stay out of the box. They have to make the most of their opportunities. Yeah, and you look at it in net, they've got a lot of balance play there. They've had four guys get some time. Uh, Luke Buza leading the way, the buzzer with four goals, four wins, one loss. He's, he's only allowed 11 in his five starts. He's got a 2.16 goals against, a 9-11 saves percentage there, 9-1-1. And this is a team that is going to be tough to deal with. And, you know, you use the term tripped up. Like, I don't think there's any way to use the term tripped up in this Midwest-West because, like, guys all know what's happening. These, you're getting run through walls, man. These are This is a tough division. There's so much talent, top to bottom. All nine teams can compete with anyone in the country. And you talk about a team that, you know, we put the Moose and the River Kings in our power rankings last month, Lucas. And I'm pretty sure the folks at the Blue Ox took that absolutely personally. 
because they are on top of the Midwest West since then. They beat the Ducks, Havoc, and the Mallards. They're only lost this past weekend to the River Kings. They're tied atop the division with the Moose, and they've got a plus 29 goal differential tied for the best with the Havoc in the division. I mean, what is there to what, – what can you not say about the Blue Ash? You can say everything about them, man, Lucas. They do it in every single way. Yeah, I mean, they've just flat out been good. You know, you, you talk about having five skaters with double-digit points and having a guy in Michael Clow who has eight goals and 16 assists, has 24 points in 10 games. That is absurd. That is an absurd amount of points. 2.4 points a game followed up by Hayden Maslowski with 17 points, five goals, 12 assists, and Jake McElpine, the shredder out there, six goals, seven assists. All these guys are active on the power play. They're all effective. We've even got a couple of shorthanded, a couple of game winners out there. It's just, Everything's becoming a Blue Ox. And, and every single year, Dan, year after year after year, the Blue Ox love to play spoiler to what you and I think is about to happen to the Midwest West. Yeah, and I mean, every year we think a team shouldn't be in the top 10 for a moment, and they prove us wrong in this Midwest West. And they listen to us more than anyone in the country when it comes to prove it on the ice. You don't like our power rankings, prove it, and the Blue Ox did it. I mean, they did it in spades. And you look at Alex Skratsky. Skratsky's one of my favorite players in the country, not just because he sounds like he's got that Polish name like I do, but Skratsky, man, this is a guy who – He's scrappy. You know, he plays that blue-collar game, brings the lunch pail to work, gets the job done there at the sentiment position. You look at Quentin Kinney, a defenseman there with seven assists for his squad. He's a power play lineman. There he's, a, five, he's got one power play goal, three power play assists. You add in Kale Goner there, and as well as Max Beller at the defensive position. This is a team with just depth where they need it. They're always big in size. They frustrate a lot of teams out there, you know, like, the Blue Ox are like, they, they just have that feel, you know, that, that feel where everybody doesn't want to have to play them because they're just, they play such a tough style of hockey. You don't want to have to put up with them. You don't want to have to deal with them. You look at that game on the schedule. If you have the two-game weekend with them, you know you're going to be tired by the end of it. You know you're going to be worn down. Even if you come out with two wins, you're going to earn them. And you earn every inch of ice out there. And a guy who has earned every inch of ice for this Blue Ox team is netminder Vinny Castelletti. This is a name we know well. Nine three six saves percentage, six and zero on the year. And Castelletti might be casting his vote here for himself as the new Jack Bostad in this Midwest West Division. A guy who can take over a game and stand on his head at any moment. Yeah, I, I mean, th- this guy has absolutely been the backbone. He's been rock solid. He has been just a phenomenal, phenomenal goaltender so far this season. He's going to keep looking to lead this team. One of the things I love about the Blue Ox is not just their ability to play spoiler, it's their ability to stay disciplined. And I think that's been the secret to their success so far, right? So you talk about, we just talked about penalty minutes for the second and third place team. So you talk about, under 100 penalty minutes so far for the Blue Ox. And I think that's what gets them through these tough games, through these tough and difficult situations. It allows them to 
obviously stay even strength on the ice, but it, it forces the other team then to try to beat them five on five, right? And if, if the Blue Ox are able to rally around their goaltender, if they're able to get the puck out of their zone, if they're able to play a very solid style of hockey that we know they can, staying five on five is so crucial. It allows the natural sway of the game to happen, right? If the Blue Ox have the momentum, how many times have we seen a penalty kill that momentum, right? So the Blue Ox are able to build this momentum throughout the game. They don't lose it because of penalties. That frustrates these other teams. You see them start to commit penalties, and you see the Blue Ox are going to be one of those teams. And again, as we continue to sort of move through this season, I think it'll become more and more apparent that the Blue Ox are a squad that are disciplined. They don't commit the penalties. And they love to frustrate teams. And that's what makes them so exciting to watch and what makes them so difficult to play. It is so difficult to pick a top squad in the USPHL Midwest West. But if you'd like to see us try next Thursday, next Thursday, it's the latest power rankings. It's those October power rankings. And it's going to be a Halloween edition, man. You got the scaries coming out there for these two guys trying to find a way to piece through everything going on in the USPHL and put together a top 10 for the premier and elite. We're going to do just that though. If you think your squad should rank atop the power rankings, reach out to us, www.dankshow.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at the underscore Dan K show. With that in mind, I go to my right-hand man, Mike Insigliere Monfrere from another mayor with our academic corner. The time of the show where we remind you, parents, players, and fans, that the game of hockey is more than just what happens on the ice. It's what happens in the classroom, in the educational realm, and in your gradebook at the end of each day. Lucas, take it away. I'm going to keep this week's academic corner very simple. Today, the day that this podcast comes out, is October 28th. That means that the first early submission dates for colleges is only about two weeks away. That means that if you're planning on these early decision, early action submissions, you've only got two weeks left to finish up your application. So when you're done listening to this podcast, go finish up that common app, go finish up all those pesky schools that don't use the common app, finish your portfolios, those optional writing assignments. They're not optional. They're, they're mandatory or fundatory if you really like writing those things. It is time to get your application in order. You've only got two weeks. This is your warning. And because we're getting so close to that first one, the next bit of submissions are also right around the corner because usually it runs middle of November, December 1st, middle of December, and then your January, February schools. Time is ticking, folks. If you're looking at early decision, early action, you've only got two weeks left. Great work from Lucas Jones, as always, on that academic corner. Lucas, I'll give you a chance here for your parting words. Other than that, I'm sure they're going to be colloquial, wonderful, beautiful. Oh, beautiful, Lucas. Incredible work. With that in mind, I go to my parting words. And, you know, 2020 has been a tough year for everybody. And it got a little tougher for Dan Kay over here, uh, unfortunately. I lost my grandfather this past week, ladies and gentlemen. And, and with that, I go to my, my, my words, you know, my, my final words, my parting words. They always have to do with our guests. This week we didn't have a guest. But it's pretty apropos that we talk Midwest West, right? It's filled with big, 
Polish athletes at times. It's filled with a, a lot of a lot of kielbasa and things like that out there. I always love traveling out to visit John Schwartz and the group out there in the Midwest to get that that wonderful feel because it always felt like home to me out there. And you know, the word this week it's going to be a, a couple here. It, it's strength in vulnerability. My, my grandfather was a six foot five inch tall, three hundred plus pound man, and and he was an absolute battler. You know, in his young age in the Navy, tough guy, all these things. He was always, you know, tough, physical guy. He, he could, he could, he commanded presence. He was a commanding presence in the room, walked in anywhere. What I want to remind you players is as I saw him get older, he always taught me, you know, there's a strength and vulnerability, right? You can be the six foot, five inch tall, 300 pound menacing guy, but you know, you got to be lovable too. And that's something that he did better than anybody. And, and I really challenge our players here. Hockey's a tough sport, right? We all talk about it. We get out on the ice, you get between those lines, and we get physical. We play the game hard. We bring that lunch pail to work. What I want to remind you guys to do is exactly in life what you do on the ice, right? We battle through that seven-game series in the Stanley Cup Finals, and we shake hands at the end no matter what. Do that in your everyday life. Have strength in your vulnerability, you know? admit it when you failed at something in school, you know, walk home, tell, tell your parents, tell your guardian, Hey, I, I missed on this one. Admit it when you mess up on a shift, when coach calls you out, don't argue back. Tell him, you know, I made that mistake. I had that miss. I'm vulnerable in this moment, but I'm going to build on this and gain strength from my vulnerability. I thank you guys for watching today. I'll be going by Dan Kemchek. This has been the Dan Kemchek show presents junior hockey I, I thank you to the uh, to everybody for watching us we hope that you're safe we hope that you're healthy wear those masks and and really let's get through this season together elite junior profiles that's elitejrprofiles.com a wonderful partner of the dan k show usphl.com the usphl the premier junior hockey league and you know we thank you guys all for watching stay safe stay strong let's keep playing hockey